0: Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, Brood for those with a fighting spirit. Hey, everyone. It's Ariel Hawani. Welcome back to another edition of the program. And as always, we are presented by our good friends over at Modelo, Modelo Especial, Brood for those with a fighting spirit. Now, we've got a very special show for all of you. Wednesday night, late night styles, when the freaks come out, we did a post-fight show on ESPN Radio. Yes live from coast to coast, international. We took calls. It was great. We reacted to Wednesday night's event in uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. So we will play that for you in case you missed it in its entirety. And then after that, I've got an exclusive interview with The Undertaker, Mark Calloway himself, 10 years in the making. I've been wanting to talk to this man for 10 years, and I finally – the chance to do so Wednesday afternoon. So stay tuned for that as well. This one means a lot to me. But before we get to all of that, I want to tell you about an incredible story in the UFC that many of you are probably familiar with. On Thursday's episode of the ESPN Daily Podcast, ESPN's Tom Rinaldi talks to the great Mina Kimes about his in-depth reporting on heavyweight Walt Harris, who of course tragically lost his daughter Anaya Blanchard in late 2019. In the episode, Rinaldi explores Harris's quest for justice outside the octagon, and how it affects his mindset going into it. Of course, he fights this Saturday night against Alistair Overeem on ESPN in the main event of that card. There's an SC featured piece coming out about his story on Friday, so please look out for that. It's an incredible piece, and Tom Rinaldi, in my opinion, is the best in the business at what he does. And so you know when his name is attached to it, it is worth watching. I've seen it. It is worth watching. Also, of course, We have the final two episodes of The Last Dance airing on Sunday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. I can't believe it's almost over. I'm so sad about all this. I've enjoyed it so much. I've enjoyed the docu-series immensely about Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls. You know about all that. But I've also enjoyed listening to my guys, Jalen and Jacoby, because immediately after the broadcast, each and every week, they talk to my friend, director Jason Hare, about the making of the series. Great behind-the-scenes stories, great anecdotes. If you haven't been listening, you should be listening. It's called Jalen and Jacoby, The After Show, presented by State Farm and AT&T, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's
0: MMA Show. Back in your life on this Thursday, May 14th, 2020. It just became Thursday, May 14th. It's midnight on the East Coast. I'm Ariel Halwani, And how fun is this? For the first time ever, we get to do a live UFC post-fight show. This is the Halwani Show right here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. We're reacting to the UFC in Jacksonville, but guess what? The UFC in Jacksonville isn't over. We're in the midst of the main event. And it's a great main event between Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. They're going into the third round as we speak. It's been a fun, technical fight. So we'll react to that once it's over. But so far, it's been a great night. We'll be talking about about that for the next hour right here on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. So this has been the second UFC event in the past, what, four or so days It's been great. We had one on Saturday, UFC 249. We have one tonight. By the way, this main event right now between Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira heading into the third round. You can watch it live with me on ESPN+, Plus as the third round is about to get underway. It's a close one. It could be 1-1. It could be 2-0 for Anthony Smith. Smith looks good. Glover Teixeira has a mouse under, I believe, if memory serves me correct, yes, his left eye. And so it's a really fun one. So pop on ESPN+, Plus, fire up the radio, and let's talk some fighting. Ten fights uh, on this card. Uh, there was supposed to be 11. Earlier today we found out that the Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori fight was canceled because Roberson failed to make weight. And then he had complications due to the mishap with the weight. And went to the hospital late last night in Jacksonville, was discharged this morning, and now he's feeling better. They actually had a uh, run-in at the hotel. Vittori, very upset, he's had a lot of cancellations over the past five, six months, so he kinda let out some frustration. So, it went from 11 fights to 10 fights, and overall, it has been a very fun night of fights. And I gotta say, once again, I really enjoy the fights with no fans. I'm not trying to be a hater towards the fans, I love the fans. Without the fans, I'm nothing. By the way, Glover to Share is about to finish Anthony Smith here. Let's keep an eye on this. This is really good stuff. I hope you're watching ESPN Plus. But the event with no fans has been really, really fun for a couple reasons. You really get to hear what the corners are saying to the fighters, and you could feel the shots. Like I was watching the co main event between Ben Rothwell and and uh OSP Ovin St. Prue, and I could feel each and every one of those shots from the heavyweights, in particular the knees to the body. Those hurt. And so it's a different element. It's a different it's a different way to watch a fight. It's a brand new wrinkle. I'm not saying that I don't want to see fights in front of fans ever again, but this has not been a detriment. And perhaps there are other sports watching this as well. This has not been a drawback. Dare I say I kind of like it more? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like I like it more. Anyway, I want to hear from all of you. Do you like it better with fans? Do you like it less without fans? Do you like it less With fans. Do you like it less, with more? Do you like it more? I don't know. Just tell me what you think. Do you like it more do you like it less with the fans or without the fans? I want to hear from you. 1-888-SAY-ESPN is the number to call. 1-888-729-3776. That is the number to call. And later in the program, we're going to be joined by uh, some of the winners tonight. Let me run down the results as we currently stand. Chase Sherman, UFC veteran, returned to the UFC on a little over a week's notice to defeat Ike Villanueva. This was probably his best performance in the UFC. He had been in the UFC several years ago, went on a skid, three-fight losing streak, comes back, fights, by the way, in between, in bare-knuckle fighting. Didn't look all that good, um, you know, on the, on the local circuit, he was okay. But then once he went to bare knuckle fighting, I was sort of thinking like, okay, he's probably done in the UFC cause they don't want to be associated with something like that. But Hey, they signed him. They needed some fighters and he looked fantastic. Won via TKO in the second round. Great win for the vanilla gorilla, as he calls himself. Brian Kelleher of Long Island had a fantastic knockout win over Hunter Azuri in the second round. He's now won two fights in a row and... Uh, this was his first fight on a new contract, looked great in this fight, and he continues to roll. He had a big win uh, this past January on the same card as Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Omar Morales defeated Gabriel Benitez uh, via decision. You may have seen Mowgli Benitez's shin on social media. I don't know why they had to zoom in on this. There was a massive gash on his shin. It was crazy, and they like, zoomed in on it, and then they had like a Q-tip just like digging into that thing. I feel like I'm about to faint just talking about it. It was disgusting. Why did they have to show that? I mean, I like fighting and everything, but do I need to see an open wound with a Q-tip rubbing up against the actual bone in the shin? just seemed excessive to me. Anyway, uh, Sajara Eubanks defeated Sarah Moraes via decision that was the prelims. Thiago Moises had a great... Ankle locked victory victory, excuse me, over Michael Johnson in the second round. That was somewhat of a comeback win. Andre Orlovsky defeated Philippe Linz, the veteran, the former UFC heavyweight champion Andre Orlovsky, the pit bull himself, via unanimous decision. Then we had Ricky Simone defeating Ray Borg via split decision. That was a pretty fun fight. And then we got to the meat of the card, and Drew Dober, who will be joining us later in the program, defeated Alexander Hernandez via TKO. He's now won three in a row. And he is a name to watch at 155. He has turned into a great fighter, training with a great team in Colorado, Elevation Fight Team. And you may have heard of a guy named Justin Gaethje who had a big win this past weekend. He trains out of there as well. Corey Sanhagen, top contender at 135, trains out of there as well. Curtis Blades, top contender at heavyweight, trains out of there as well. Um, and so he's another product of that team, and they are doing Really good things, and Dober is now rolling. Great win over Alexander Hernandez. Co-main event saw Ben Rothwell defeat Ovin St. Prove. He split decision, OSP moving up to heavyweight for the first time in his career. And, you know, had his moments. I thought it was a clear 29-28 for Ben Rothwell. Not so sure about that one guy who gave it to uh, to OSP, but that was a really fun fight. More fun than I thought it was going to be, and now we are in the main event. The main event, by the way, is headed to the fourth round. Everything has changed now. Glover Teixeira completely dominated. That was a possible 10-8 for Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith seems a little bit dazed, a little bit confused, certainly beat up, cut, and he seems exhausted as well. So we're heading into the fourth between two guys who have – Losses in title fights to John Jones, two of the most game-light heavyweights out there. Smith looks absolutely exhausted. We'll see if he's able to rebound here in the fourth round, because things were looking good for him early on. Alright, again, number to call, one triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. I want this to be about you guys. I want you guys to react. I want you guys to react and I want you to be heard on the first ever UFC post show in the history. The illustrious history of ESPN Radio. So, Payne and Missouri, you're up first, my man. You're making history with me. What's on your mind tonight? Did you enjoy the card? what do you think of this main event? This is great stuff between Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. Yeah,
2: absolutely, Ariel. Uh, Huge fan of yours, by the way. Huge fan of you, Cormier, on uh, Monday mornings. Oh, thank you. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, like I said, I thought Anthony was doing great. I think he, just like, just, like the uh, announcer was saying, through to him through a lot. Wore himself out a little bit, and then when he back against the cage, he just tends to turtle up just a little bit, and it's just starting to cost him.
0: Yeah, and and it looks like now the doctors were checking him out here, but it seems like he's okay. Uh, so Anthony Smith now entering into the fourth round. The fourth round about to start between Smith and Glover Teixeira. Um, curious, did you think that he was winning the first two rounds? Like I, oh, looks like Smith is in deep trouble here. Did you think he was winning those first two rounds? Oh, we may have lost them. Okay, oh, midway
2: you- through the second, I. Thought it started to slip away a little bit, and then obviously the third round he just got dominated.
0: Yeah, I feel like the uh, the end is near here for uh, for Anthony Smith, star of the show for you, Payne. Who comes to mind? Who's your MVP of the show? Oh, um, probably Drew Dober. Yeah, that oh. was a that was a big win. That was a great win. He's come a long way. He's looked really good. Thank you for the call, Payne. I appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, Drew Dober has looked really good. He's won his last three in a row, like I said. And this is a guy who's been in the UFC since 2013. I had to look at his record again. It's like, whoa, Drew Dober's been in the UFC since 2013. First of all, he's very good looking. I think you can make a case for stopping this fight right now. I think that Anthony Smith is in a lot of trouble, and Jason Herzog's giving him a lot of leeway. But, man, things are getting a little dicey here for Anthony Smith. Back to Drew Dober. He's been in the UFC since 2013. He has looked uh, really good as of late. But when he came to the UFC, he didn't look like this. He really didn't. I mean, he lost his first two. Then he beats Jamie Varner, loses a fight, controversial fight. that was overturned to a no contest, loses his next one to Efren Escudero. Then he starts to go in a bit more of a role. But early on, I mean, you're talking about a guy who had one win... In his first five UFC fights, certainly didn't look like the world beater that he's become. And he fights with aggression. He's strong. He's certainly confident. He's really turned into a name that I'm excited about. Now, he's no spring chicken, so to speak. I mean, he is 31 years old. But still, I didn't see this coming out of Drew Dober. I really didn't he's looked really good and in particular his last his last win over nasrat Hakparsat, uh to me was the one that really opened my eyes that was the one that i found to be extremely impressive i mean that guy was someone that a lot of us at espn uh had pegged as an up and comer a legit you know prospect if you will we did a a little like poll thingy where we ranked the top 25 best fighters in the sport under 25 he was one of those guys and then you know in his next fight drew dober starched him another great performance uh, this evening came out of brian kelleher brian kelleher of long island had lost two in a row and then all of a sudden he's now won two in a row and he's gone two finishes in a row and it seemed like he was a little bit lost in his career there for a moment and now he's been able to turn things around he signed a new contract went into his last fight on a losing streak no contract and wins that fight on the connor card Against Ode Osborne and gets a contract, and then comes into this card looking great, looking like a million bucks, and now has won two in a row. Again, it's been a lot of fun to watch these fights in these, uh, you know, these these uh, interesting times empty arena the setting is fun you're hearing the shots and let's be honest the UFC is the only game in town right now as far as North American sports are concerned and so I think we're all very thankful that we have something new to talk about and we don't have to break down the 1986 World Series anymore these are fun times after the break we're going to be joined by one of the big winners on tonight's card so stick around we got a lot more to come as far as this post-fight show is concerned we're making history here my friends we're making actual history here on ESPN radio Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith, they're heading possibly into the fifth round, but Anthony Smith is not looking good. I'll tell you about more of what happened tonight. Plus, we'll talk to one of the big winners coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Hawani Show right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, and SiriusXM XM Channel 80. Number to call is one triple eight. say espn We are reacting to the UFC event tonight in Jacksonville. I'm Ariel Hawani, and of course, uh, we want to hear from you guys, so give us a call, one 729 3776 and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, the main event just ended. Glover Teixeira defeated Anthony Smith in the fifth round via TKO, and I have to say I'm pretty disgusted by what we saw. This fight went on way too long. I don't know why Anthony Smith's corner did not react to it earlier, didn't stop the fight earlier. They let their guy get beat up for at least two rounds there, um, and it was just... It was just excessive. It was needless. And so my partner, Chael P. Sonnen, is all the way in Westland, Oregon. I see him reacting to the fight on Twitter, so I wanted to get his quick thoughts about it right now. He's kind enough to join us on the phone. Chale, are you there? I am here. I'm disgusted, Chale.
2: I-, I am infuriated. That That is not who we are. That is not what we do on any level. I do not know what anybody's watching. I cannot believe the corners allowed him to go in. What is it- a the corner there for? If you're not there to protect your guy 2 10-8 rounds in a row which, by the way, would have been three 10-8 rounds in a row, which has never been done in the history of the sport because it means you've got to get your guy out of there. I cannot believe that nobody saved him. He gave every clue that he was done. He had too much pride to get himself out of there. I think we can appreciate that, Ariel, but he's giving every clue, get me home. You don't stop the fight when, you're, when your fighter uh, can no longer move. You stop the fight when your fighter can no longer win. That was 12 minutes ago, Helwani.
0: Yeah, it was needless. I don't understand. Who do you blame more here? The corner or the ref, Jason Herzog? Herzog could have stopped the fight there. He's got he's got a bird's eye view of the whole thing. Why did not he stop the fight two rounds ago?
2: You know, I was a little bit confused with that, and I think I blame the corner a little bit more. Anthony was moving at times. I don't know that I buy the idea that he was intelligently defending himself with what the rule calls for, so I, I suppose a little of this would spill over to the referee. But more important than anything, you've got the corner. I mean, not for nothing, but the referee is out there working. He's looking at stuff. He's talking to guys. He's hearing some things that uh, perhaps you and I don't know about in fairness. My goodness, what's the corner doing there if they're not there to protect their fighter? they Tell, tell him to throw a jab? He knows how to throw a jab. Protect your fighter!
0: Now, I was doing the radio show while the the main event was going on the back end of it, but I saw some people on Twitter say, did you hear, and and we could hear everything, which is kind of the cool part about having these fights in front of no one, did Anthony tell his corner that his teeth were falling out or that he was feeling like his teeth were about to fall out? According to the announcers, I didn't hear the corner say that,
2: but I heard uh, John Anik in, in the announce team say That they said that, that Anthony has said that. I could not hear that myself. There was some more dialogue going on, Errol, between Anthony and Glover. They talked at two different points in the fight. They stopped what they were doing, and they began talking. I would be very curious what they were saying to each other as well.
0: I mean, when, when, when a fighter tells his corner, my teeth are about to fall out, I kind of feel like that's a sign that we should stop this, no?
2: He gave every sign. He gave every clue to the referee of, hey, I need my tag team partner to step in here, which happens to be you. And he gave every sign to his core. There was a moment in between rounds, I think it was just prior to the fifth round, that the referee was talking to him. Anthony Smith did not respond to the referee. He turned and walked away. That isn't because he's too tired to talk to the referee. That is a sign. If I'm a fighter and you ask me if I'm okay and I do not answer the question, I am giving you an answer while hanging on to my pride.
0: Right. We're talking to Chael Sonnen here on the UFC post-fight show. Arrow, this is
2: infuriating. I, I've never thought this about a fight before. I really can't remember this. I'd have to go all the way back to Don Fry versus Omri Batesh wow. before there was commissions. I cannot believe what we saw here. And I don't understand. Then you go that. look at the judging in the, in the Ricky Simone fight, for goodness sakes. One guy gave that fight to Borg. I, mean, I don't. This is a little bit weird. Look, as fight fans, I, I need to be in a better spirit right now, but as far as what I just saw here and in, in the lack of responsibility of not stopping this contest 10 minutes ago, man, I'm a little hot.
0: Well, I appreciate the hotness. I appreciate the pride. You know, we've debated this on Ariel and the Bad Guy before. Why don't cornermen stop fights sooner? And in boxing, you see it all the time, right? My theory is, one – Pay structure, you know, you get half to show, half to win, and a lot of them don't want to be responsible for taking money out of their fighter's pocket. And there's this sort of false bravado in this sport, like, hey, you know, you're a weakling if you stop the fight. I say, lift the fight another day. They did a massive disservice to Anthony Smith tonight. He will feel the effects of this fight for many, many years. Right? It is so short-sighted yeah. to not stop a fight when you can just lift the fight another day. I don't get that mentality. Why don't we see it? Is it? An
2: insane, it is an insane bravado, Errol. I don't know where it came from either. No other sport carries this stigma. No other sport carries that level of responsibility. If, if, if LeBron's hurt, LeBron goes and sits down. I mean, that's the way it works, and that's what he should do. I, I do not know where this comes from in fighting. I, I realize this is different. It's a combat sport and all this different bravado. Look, when you took your t shirt off and you walked into a steel cage in front of the world and said, let's get it on, there's your bravado. You've already separated yourself from the pack. We don't need to stay out there. And, and take years off a of career.
0: Well, let me ask you: Why thought... would they
2: not stop the fight? There's three of these guys in the corner. They all got a towel and None of them fought after two, eight, two, ten, eight rounds. And, and their guy refusing to talk to the referee. Their guy bawling up. Their guy being knocked down. Their guy bleeding out of both sides uh, of his eyes. And by the way, then tells them, "I think that my teeth are broken." N- nobody picked up the clue. You got to put on your Colombo rain jacket. You got to be. We got to bring Perry Mason in here. Come on.
0: But, chill. I do feel like we need to blame Jason Herzog, who, by the way, is a fine referee and historically does a great job. What the hell was he seeing? Like, why did he let this go on so long? I feel like we could do this like a 50-50 split, right? We could blame the corner 50% for not stepping in, but we expect that out of them. I expect more from Jason Herzog, to be honest.
2: Oh, every, everybody's hands are dirty in this thing. I, I really don't know what I just saw. I mean, it, it was no way to end a night. It, it, it was such a fantastic... Event and all the precautions and everything that went into it, I, I I just don't understand why we had to we had to do that to Anthony. I'm I'm a little bit confused. And, and and Errol, I mean, I mean, look, I think we've set our piece on this. Let's go ahead and spin it another direction. What a job by Glover.
3: Yeah, I mean, I not for nothing, you.
2: but what a job by Glover. Forty years young, forty one years, you know, been in this business for a long time now. What what is this? His his fifth fight in a, win in a row. If I'm wrong, it's his fourth. But I mean, that's quite a streak for a forty year old man.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I didn't see this coming from him. He's 40 years old as as you said, he turns 41 in October. He's been in this game a long time. Now improves to 31 and 7. He's won 4 in a row. Now the guys before Anthony Smith weren't quite contenders, but still 4 in a row in the UFC is 4 in a row. Very impressive. I thought Anthony won the first round, maybe the second. In your opinion, what did what did Glover do to turn this thing around and do it so effectively and dominantly?
2: Okay, so it was a little bit 50 50. Here was the problem. Anthony came out and fought like he's never fought before. And it was in one thing, and that was volume. I mean, he was pumping jabs. He was throwing front kicks, rear kicks, uppercuts, elbows, knees, but he's never done it in that kind of volume. If you go back and do a, a punch count in the first round of this fight versus any round in any other fight he's ever had, it was two to one. And when the effort like that is being output, uh, over a five-round, you know, to use the, the Conor McGregor phrase that's become very famous, I was not efficient with my energy. Anthony Smith was not efficient with his energy. He dumped everything that he needed over 25 minutes. He put it all in, uh, into about seven, and he just got tired. I mean, it was as simple as that. Look, when you're out there working harder than you've ever worked before, you're going to get tired. He got tired. And in fairness, I don't really blame the, I don't really blame his strategy. It looked as though he had some opportunities to maybe even get Glover out of there. It was a very one sided affair. The, the problem was Glover was a little bit more experienced and said, okay, it looks like you grabbed this round. I'll throw this one away. I got four more to catch you, kid. And he did.
0: Chill, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh thanks for the passion. Oh, I appreciate whatever, it.
2: Whatever. Whatever,
0: Helwani. Goodbye. Oh yes, I love it. Chill P all fired up. I'm fired up too. I was watching that. I'm trying to do the show, but I'm also watching this guy getting mauled. What the heck is going on here? Now, I appreciate where Chael is coming from, but I do think that we're we're letting Herzog, the referee, Jason Herzog, the referee, off the hook here. He could have stopped that a long time ago. And like I said, I think Anthony Smith is going to be feeling that for a long time. By the way, according to the ESPNM MMA Twitter account, this is the exchange that Chael was referring to. Glover said, sorry, Anthony, it's part of the job. Smith then responds, what? Glover says, sorry, part of the job. Smith then says, yeah, it is what it is. That's what you're hearing when there aren't fans in attendance. After the break, we'll talk to one of the big winners from tonight. Drew Dober will join us to talk about his big win over Alex Hernandez. Do not go anywhere. This is the Hawani Show right here on ESPN Radio. Oh,
2: oh, 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 oh Dober oh, really going for it now.
0: Hernandez,
2: oh, man. Oh, man. Taking a lot of oh, shots on his oh, feet. Oh,
1: win and a number next to his
0: name next week. Welcome back to the Hawani show right here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and SiriusXM channel H say ESPN is the number to call and as always we are presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Maria Hawani reacting to tonight's card, not Saturday's card, tonight's card, old habit. It's rare that we get a Wednesday card. ...for the UFC, but we just got one that wrapped up in Jacksonville. Glover Teixeira defeated Anthony Smith in the main event. It was hard to watch towards the end because Glover Teixeira was just beating up Anthony Smith, and it was very excessive, and I thought his corner or the referee, Jason Herzog, should have stopped it way earlier. Now, one fight that didn't have any of that controversy came... Earlier in the main card, it was Drew Dober extending his winning streak to now three in a row with a great win over Alexander Hernandez. And Drew Dober is kind enough to be joining us right now from Jacksonville. Drew, how are you, my man? Congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm feeling pretty uh, fantastic at this point.
0: Where are you right now?
1: I am currently on the bus getting back to the hotel. UFC um, is doing a hell of a job keeping all the fighters safe. So uh, just being... Quarantined and, and putting back in the room so I can uh, get shelved off to Denver tomorrow.
0: Now, what was it like fighting in that empty arena?
1: Um, you know, I missed the fans. I missed the energy. Uh, but I can't say it was uh, like extremely unusual. Uh, once you're in the cage and you have an opponent in front of you, you kind of just zone in, and uh, that's all you think about.
0: So, like I said, we're talking to Drew Dober. Another big win for you. Three straight finishes now. Tonight you beat Alexander Hernandez. I'm wondering if you can assess this performance. Now, the two previous fights were stopped in the first round. A little over a minute. This one went all the way to the end of the second round. Were you happy with your performance overall?
1: Um, incredibly. Uh, I got to go back and watch the film. but like, We put down uh, all the mistakes I was making. I love earlier finishes, and my body loves it even more. Um, but, yeah, getting a finish, um, you know, against Alexander Hernandez, something I was looking forward to. And, uh, you know, the opponents are going to keep getting better. And so i got to keep start fishing, fish, uh, fishing for that finish.
0: Drew, you said you thought you made mistakes in the fight? Oh, yeah, of course.
1: There's always mistakes you make in a fight. You can't have a perfect fight.
0: So what are some of the mistakes that you think you made before watching it, of course?
1: Um, you know, uh, judging by the way the corners were talking to me, I was uh, hucking too many bombs. Um, <clears throat> some of uh, my reactions to his offense I could have closed the distance a little bit more. Um, I was headhunting a time. I could have started working the body and the, the legs a little bit more. Um, I'm very self-critical, so I'm back to the drawing board and uh, trying to get better.
0: We're talking to Drew Dobro at a big win tonight against Alexander Hernandez at the UFC event in Jacksonville. Three in a row now, and I was talking about this earlier. You came into the UFC in 2013. I can't believe you've been there for this long. It's amazing to me. And early on, it was a little tough, right? The the two losses, and then you win one, and then the no contest, and then you lose one. How do you explain this? You're now to me, you're you're a name to watch. You are a legit name to watch on a roll. I don't want to fight you if I'm in this division. How do you explain this role and the way you're fighting with the confidence, the power, the technique? Everything is coming together for you. How do you explain this?
1: Um, you know, with all, you know, my failures and my losses, there's uh, other things going on. But I was quite privileged to find uh, team elevation and the coaching staff and teammates out there who have really propelled me to becoming, uh, you know, seeing my potential. And so with my losses, my earlier, you know, uh, phase of the UFC, that just kind of shows the changes I was making. And I was had to, like, make the adjustments. And after I made the adjustments, I started improving. And uh, now we're seeing the victories uh, since then.
0: Is this the most confident you've ever felt in your career?
1: Incredibly. Uh, 31 years of age, and I feel a lot better than I did in my early 20s. Um, or, you know, call me a late bloomer, but, um, I feel absolutely on top of my game right now.
0: And, and even when you're walking out to the cage, Drew, you, you just ooze that confidence. I mean, you know this. We talked about this last time. You're an incredibly good looking young man. So you don't need, you know, I'm sure you've heard this from other people, but you just look like, I said that this fight was like two homecoming kings going toe to toe. You and Alex, you just have that look, right? <laughs> Did you feel like now your school is number one? That's what it felt like for me. Like you were fighting for bragging rights here.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I can wear the, the prom king crown now. <laughs> but uh, no, I just I enjoy every every single moment. So what you guys see as confidence. is really just me just eating it up, just enjoying every moment of, you know, the, the, the time that we think about, like for eight to 10 weeks. And so, yeah, as I was walking out, I was just enjoying every moment of it.
0: All right, so afterwards, Drew, you said that you wanted to fight Paul Felder. You obviously knew that he was calling the fight. Did you say that you wanted him next because he was there, or is that the guy regardless of who's calling the fight?
1: <laughs> so I don't like calling anybody out. You know, people are like, oh, you call Paul Felder. I want to fight guys like Paul Felder, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, like these top-tier like, you know, cowboys of the lightweight division. So, like, I have really no center focus on Paul or anyone else in the division. I just want to be able to compete with the best in the world, and the lightweight division has it. It'll put me up against anybody.
0: Drew, congratulations on the win, my man. I mean, honestly, I'm blown away by what you've been doing as of late. The last three, the one uh, prior to this one on the Conor McGregor card, now here in front of this audience where everyone's at home watching, you have a performance like that. I have to ask you before I let you go, did you have a chance? I know you're very busy over there, but did you have a chance to watch the main event or at least um, the end?
1: I did, unfortunately. I'm a huge about, Anthony Smith fan.
0: Yeah, what about that? I mean, don't you feel like that fight should have been stopped either by the ref or the corner? Who do you blame more in that scenario?
1: Um, to be completely honest, I I wouldn't be able to put too much judgment on it because I had to turn my eyes. I uh, didn't want to continue watching it, so I continued to do whatever I was doing in the back room. So I don't really have a strong opinion on it. But, uh, uh, you know, if I'm going to put an opinion on it, I think as a professional fighter in the UFC, you know, we're here. To, we're already putting our, our lives and our health at risk. So you definitely have to give us every benefit of doubt, you know. And so calling fights later than earlier, because, I mean, this is the biggest, you know, promotion in the world. And we are the best fighters in the world. So give, a, give us every single chance to show what we're truly capable of. Um, so I, I heard it was like 10, a rounds and stuff like that. And, you know, I can't really care for Anthony's health, health and being, but, um, you know, he was able to show his grit his heart and, uh, you know, and his durability. So I mean, there's, I guess, you know, a positive take on that.
0: Yeah. I hope he's feeling better. Cause that looked gruesome towards the end. You mentioned that his teeth were about to fall out. So, uh, oh, man, yeah, I guess I don't know
1: the, the full details of the fight because I had to turn away.
0: Drew, congratulations again. Great performance. Keep it up, my man. I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks for doing this. You're the man. Thank you so much. That's Drew Dober. Big win for him over Alexander Hernandez tonight in Jacksonville on ESPN+. Plus. Drew Dober is all in. I can tell you who else is all in. Halle Berry, Dana White, they're all in too. The All-In Challenge fundraising initiative continues to offer exciting sports experience uh, experiences that you can bid on or enter to win. It's all to support organizations providing food to those in need, particularly kids, the elderly, and frontline workers. I like this music. Are we in Jamaica now? This is great. Dana White and actress Halle Berry, who I just mentioned, she is a hardcore UFC fan. And they are teaming up to provide the ultimate UFC experience. The winner will go to the Las Vegas UFC paper event of their choice, have dinner with Halle Berry, and then watch the fight with Berry from Dana White's seats. And that's not all. The winner will also get a private training session with UFC legends. You can enter to win this sweepstakes experience. And 100% of the money raised will benefit organizations providing food to those in need. If you want to participate or learn more about how these organizations help, visit allinchallenge.com. Can we squeeze in one call? Let's squeeze in one call. Mike in Boston, what's up? Hey, Ariel. Uh, Big fan, man. You're the man. What's on your mind?
2: Uh, Basically, uh, very
1: impressed with Glover Teixeira. I did not expect that performance of him. And, you know,
0: just what's next for him. I think that um, depending on what you do for John Jones next, if you do him and Reyes a rematch, I think Blahovic and Teixeira would be a, a great matchup. Yeah, I like that idea very much. Thanks for the call, Mike. I mean, someone isn't going to fight John Jones. It's either Jan Blachowicz or Dominic Reyes. Uh the consolation prize could very well be Glover Teixeira. And again, like I said the chill, you know, at 40 years old, I didn't see this this second, third, fourth act out of Glover Teixeira. That's an impressive win. You know, you fight guys who are lower in the rankings. All right, you're not really sure what to make of it. You beat a guy like Anthony Smith like that, that is very impressive. All right. Coming up one last segment to go. That's it? Can they let me go? I mean, what else is happening at 1 a.m. on ESPN Radio? Let me go for another hour. I'll go two. I'll go three. We got Angela, Louise, Zach, Sterling, Calvin. All you guys on hold. I'll get to you. I will not leave you hanging. I promise. One more segment to go here. The Hawani Show. Take it over, ESPN Radio. We're talking UFC. Don't go anywhere. Ah, <coughs> oh, yeah. A little cardinal official and a con on this Wednesday night. We're talking fights here on ESPN Radio. I'm not going anywhere. They're going to kick me off the air in eight minutes. And guess what? I'm not leaving. Helwani show right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app and Sirius XM channel. Lady, I am fired up after what I saw tonight in Jacksonville. Glover Teixeira gave Anthony Smith two rounds of a beating that he will never forget. And it was reckless. It was needless. It was senseless. This fight should have ended in the third round. What the heck were they doing out there? What the heck were they doing out there in Jacksonville? What was this corner doing? What was the referee, Jason Herzog, doing? And it's unfortunate because I haven't had a lot of chance to talk about Ben Rothwell and his big win. And we just spoke to Drew Dober. And how about Brian Keller with a great performance as well? A lot of great performances tonight, but unfortunately somewhat marred by that fight that went on too long. One Triple Eight, say espn One eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six is the number to call. This last segment is all about you guys. And guess what? We're not going anywhere. If they kick me off, we riot. Alex in Pittsburgh, what's on your mind?
2: Hey, how's it going? I just saw a uh, video on Twitter. Yes, It looked like uh, uh, or um, Smith was handing Herzog teeth on the ground, his teeth. Oh my. I don't know if you were able to see that or not. But well, he, uh, it looked like Glover was going for the rear naked from his back, and you see Smith reach up and hand something to Herzog. Oh, and geez. I just feel like it, if, if that's the case and he's handing him teeth, what obligation is it for Herzog to stop the fight at that point or at least check on the fight? I mean, that was just senseless. I thought the whole the whole second half of that fight, like you just said, it, it should have been stopped. I don't understand how it wasn't stopped.
0: This is one of my big pet peeves, and thank you for the call in MMA. Corners don't stop fights soon enough. In, in boxing, it seems like the coaches care more or they don't feel that kind of pressure. I don't get it. Stop the fight. Lift the fight another day. It's okay. You fought great. You fought valiantly. It's okay. Why are you letting your guy get concussed? Get his brains bashed in? For what? There's no point. You're going to lose the fight. Trust me, we all know you're going to lose the fight. Stop the fight. Show that you care for your guy. Deal with the heat in the moment. Later on, you'll figure it out. If you're truly a good pairing, you'll figure it out. Cedric in Kentucky, what's up?
2: Hey, what's going on, man? Um, so I know that the you know the main event was very it was just different because the beating that took place. But what's next for Teixeira? Because you know he's he's lost to Corey Anderson. Gustafson is out. You know Jones and um, Jones. The rematch between Jones and Reyes. Santos is hurt. The only person in front of him is 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 Uzdemir. Uh, is that a fight to make?
0: Uzdemir is an interesting one. What about Jan Blachowicz? What about the guy who doesn't get John Jones? What if they do Jan Blachowicz and Jones? Then what about Reyes? And Glover, or if they do Reyes Jones too, which is the fight that I want to see, then do Jan Blachowicz and Glover. What's wrong with that?
2: I mean, that that sounds great to me. How do you see them, you know, lining up stylistically?
0: Well, I think Dominic Reyes beats him. I think he has a chance. I mean, again, he's forty years old, so he's he's getting up there in age. I think that. Dominic beats him. I think he's a chance against Jan. I really want to see the Dominic Reyes fight. I want to see Dominic Reyes versus John Jones too. It's the biggest fight that they can make for John Jones. It's a great backstory. I thought John Jones lost to him the first time when they fought in February in Houston. And then I'd love to see why not why not why not Jan and, and Glover as the consolation prize. Let's see what happens there. Thank you for the call, my man. Let's go to Devin in Michigan. Devin, what's up? What's up, Ariel? How's it going? Um I just have a quick question. So yeah, that main event was pretty sad, but As for OSP versus Roswell, we saw OSP struggling with his cardio. How do Mm. you think that if John Jones moves up to heavyweight, how do you think he's going to fare at heavyweight? And uh, who do you think he'll go again? I'm not on the John Jones moving up to heavyweight bandwagon anymore. I don't like the idea. I think that uh, as of late, he slowed down a little bit. He doesn't have to cut a lot of weight. I don't see the point of this. Stick around at light heavyweight. Try to get back on track. I know he's still the champ but the last two performances didn't knock our socks off and maybe wait to see if Israel Desenia can move up and fight him in that super fight. But you got unfinished business with Dominic Reyes. You got unfinished business with Jan Blachowicz. Heck, you got unfinished business with Tiago Santos as well. Don't think about Heavyweight. Now, as for OSP, his manager, Orin Hodak, told me today that 205 was getting to be problematic. I think he could have some good performances, some interesting fights at heavyweight, but to be honest, he's too small to be, to be a heavyweight, in my opinion. I think he's better off at 205. If he's really having trouble, then, alright, you know, that's, 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 you know, the situation that he's in, but honestly, I, I don't think he can hang with the big boys at heavyweight. And Ben Roth was a big boy at heavyweight, and you saw he was getting him manhandled there. Let's go to Zach in Tennessee. Zach, what's up?
2: Herial, my
1: question was, I'm a big Darren Till fan, and I was wondering if you ever see a future where Darren Till is the 185-pound champion or if you think Adesanya runs that division while they're both in their prime.
0: I appreciate the question. Um, I don't think that... I think Darren Till is probably one fight away from being in that discussion. He was supposed to fight Robert Whittaker, if you recall, in August. Now we don't know what's going to go on with that fight because of the the whole pandemic and travel restrictions and whatnot. I love that fight. I think if he can beat Robert Whittaker, he can be in that discussion to fight Israel Adesanya. Yeah, I think he's much better off fighting at 185, and I'm happy that he has finally come to terms with the fact that he is better off at fighting with 185. I still don't think we've seen the best of Darren Till. I think they rushed him when he fought for the belt against Tyron Woodley. And so, yeah, I'm not going to rule out a title run for him. Absolutely not. Helwani Show on ESPN Radio. We are taking over. Five minutes left? Heck no. One hour and five minutes left, I say. No, I'm just joking. It's really five minutes. But if you want to change your mind, anyone who's listening out there, I'll be happy to do it. Uh, Sterling in Washington. Sterling, what's up?
1: Hey. Hi, Ariel. Um, First of all, thank you for all you do for UFC and for Mixed Martial Arts as as a whole. My question is kind of reiterating what uh, a previous question was. But I really enjoyed the card tonight. I just couldn't stand what uh, the corner was doing to Smith. Mm. And uh, I had a group chat going, and we were just all, like, saying, in the fight, he goes into the corner, and the hot mic picks up that he's spitting teeth out, and he hands the tooth, like the guy said. and uh, It was just terrible. Say hi to Stu and and Dan and everybody. Thank you.
0: Okay, I will. Who's Stu and Dan? I'm not sure, but I will say hi to them as well. Is he talking about – I don't know who he's talking about. Anyway, uh, appreciate the call. Calvin in Massachusetts. Calvin, what's up?
1: Hey, man. First of all, I just want to say I'm very sad because this reminded me, the main event reminded me of Ferguson versus Gaethje, which was very traumatic for me.
0: This was worse.
1: Uh, Yeah, both were very traumatic. And then, secondly, um, I personally thought Brian Kelleher had, outside of maybe Glover, had the performance of the night. That was a crazy knockout.
0: I don't disagree. Kelleher, Dober, and Glover, probably the top three. I wonder who got the awards. I haven't found out yet, but Kelleher's certainly looking good as of late. The pride of Long Island. Let's go to Eduardo Nebraska. Now, Eduardo, what's up?
1: Uh, pretty sad over here having watched our hometown guy kind of take a whooping in that
0: round. Yeah, I'm I was sorry. supposed
1: to attend that fight um, a couple weeks ago until obviously everything got canceled. Probably for the best. But my question is um, what do you make of when TJ Dillashaw comes back? I feel like um, he kind of went out pretty badly with Saheudo. Did not take that loss well. Fighters criticized him, and then gets uh, tested positive. A lot of fighters, he, a lot of fans don't really like him. Um, what do you think it's going to kind of take for him to turn his status around?
0: Yeah, he's got to win a couple. That division is so stacked right now with Piotr Jan. Of course, we don't know about Henry Saheudo. We got Corey Sanhagen. We've got Aljamain Sterling. He's got to win at least two or three to get back into that picture. Let's go to Nick and Callie. Nick, what's up?
3: How's it going, Ariel?
2: Um, my question is, so a lot of blame is being put on the corner in this, but where do you put the blame on the uh, the referee, Herzog, for not stopping it earlier? Listen, uh, I, I think
0: of- the, the referee is the first line of defense, and I don't mean to cut you off. We're in a bit of a lightning round here, but I couldn't agree with you more. Jason Herzog is a very, very good referee. He should have stopped that sooner. He's literally standing over Anthony Smith. What are you seeing? now? I, I respect the fact that you want to give him the respect that he deserves as the main eventer, as a former title contender, but come on. Last round and a half, he did nothing. Arguably, you had two 10-8 rounds back-to-back. The guy's getting beat up. He's potentially handing you teeth. If not, he's clearly telling his corner that the teeth are coming out. What are we doing here? Rocky in Ohio, what's up?
1: Hey, Ariel. Uh, just want to say love you and your show there. Uh, love you, too. Another question just kind of falling off that last caller. caller do you think anything with the Cruz fight had to do with Herzog not stopping the fight there, with, with taking so long, with the criticism mm-hmm. of Peterson in the last fight there?
0: Nah, Jason Herzog is a legit ref. I mean, he's 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 a veteran. He's an OG. I don't think it had anything to do with that. Isaiah in Texas, you get the last word. Isaiah, you got 10 seconds. What's up? All right, awesome. Uh What do you think about Brian Kelleher calling out Chebichon? How do you think that fight would go? I like it. Brian Kelleher's on a roll. Why not? Laissez les bon temps rouler, as they say in Louisiana. I know he's not from Louisiana, but he's looking good as of late. I'm a big fan of Boom Kelleher. All right, we're out of time. My efforts to extend us an extra hour have failed, just like the corner and the referee failed Anthony Smith tonight, but this was a lot of fun, and hopefully, I've been banging this drum for quite some time, post-fight show is arguably more fun than the pre-show because you can react, you can get all heated, you can get all fired up, so I've enjoyed this very much thank you very much to Drew Dober, thank you very much to my partner Chael Sonnen, and most importantly thank you very much to all of you who called in, again, Glover Teixeira beats Anthony Smith, we got Drew Dober with a big win, we got Ben Rothwell with a big win, all in all, a great night of fights and the UFC is back this Saturday on ESPN and ESPN Plus in Jacksonville. I'll be with you for a pre-fight show from 1 to 3. For now, though, we're kicking us. We're kicking us out of here. We're going to SportsCenter all night. I'll be back on Saturday. Enjoy your evening, my friends. I love you all. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you Saturday afternoon. All right, so that was a lot of fun. I love doing the radio shows, love interacting with the fans, and hopefully we get to do more post-fight shows because I've always felt like there was a need, an opening, a void of uh, – doing a post-fight show after a big event, getting to talk to people. This is something that's common in regular sports, so why can't we do it in our sport? And so I enjoyed that very much. And by the way, we're going to be back on the airwaves this Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, heading into the Alistair Overeem Walt Harris card. So a lot more Helwani show coming to the airwaves in the near future. Now, though, let's transition over to my interview with The Undertaker. So last time I spoke to this man, October twenty-third, two 2010. Honda Center, Anaheim, California, Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez for the heavyweight title was the main event. I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you know about that exchange. You know about the moment, you know about Brock walking by and him saying you want to do it. But in case you either don't know what I'm talking about, or you forgot, or you just want to relive it as we prep for this interview with The Undertaker, here's that moment that really changed my career. Do you think, considering the size difference, that he'd be able to manhandle him like that?
4: No, I didn't. I didn't think so. I think Brock's strength and size would over would overmatch him. I thought he would have to go into a cardio battle, and uh,
0: I'm actually very surprised. It's almost like you're at a loss for words there. You want to do it? It was Brock Lesnar right there. What did you just say to him? Uh, it's kind of a personal thing. Uh, you know,
4: I think maybe he needs to, uh, yeah, I think he needs to train a little harder.
0: Um, are you guys cool? Personal. Who are you rooting for tonight? You know what? I uh, you know, I got background with Brock, but, uh, you know, that just showed you something right there. Are you a
4: fan of this sport? Oh, I'm a big time fan.
0: You're one of the first guys to actually introduce MMA to pro wrestling. The gloves, the go-go plata? Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a big
4: fan. I uh, And I like to, uh, you know, the things that I can bring from MMA into, into what we do. Uh, obviously there's not many people prepared for it. You know, and, uh,
0: you know, it's, uh, I just, I'm a big fan. Perhaps 20 years ago, if this sport was as popular as it is today, you think you would have done it? safe bet real safe bet okay. yeah it's just a little late in the
4: game for me to start now but uh 20 years ago i'd be all over
0: i'll never forget how quickly that thing blew up we ran to the back casey light and i my videographer for so many years ran to the back and we were like what just happened we were blown away by it all Later the next day, Sunday afternoon, Bill Simmons himself, who at the time was working for ESPN, tweeted about it. It was all over TMZ. Everyone was talking about it and I had no idea what happened. And so for the past 10 years, I have wanted to reconnect with The Undertaker and ask him, what happened? What was that? Was it real? Was it fake? Was it a work? Was it a shoot? I I still don't know. 10 years later, I've asked a lot of people surrounding that story, surrounding that scene, and I can't get a straight answer. And so with the upcoming uh, Last Ride docu-series on WWE Network, playing this Sunday, episode two, playing this Sunday. We had episode one already. It was a good opportunity to talk to him. I appreciate WWE for helping us out here, and I got to ask him that question. Finally, 10 years later, here's my conversation with The Undertaker, a.k.a. Mark Calloway. First off, Taker, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
4: No, man, thanks for having me, man. You put a lot of pressure on me at the beginning of the show now, if this flops, man, it, it's all going to fall on me. Uh, come on, man. Help no, me out on a little- s-
0: no pressure whatsoever, but I was talking to someone yesterday. I have never been more excited to speak to someone and to ask a certain set of questions that hopefully we'll get to later in this interview than I am right now. So uh, I'm very That's much awesome. looking forward to this. But we'll start with the last ride. And uh, I, I've seen episode one, and it was phenomenal, and I can't wait for episode two. And I'm just curious because I know that – your career has been, you know, you are the quintessential pro wrestler. For the past 30 years, you, you didn't let people see the other side of the curtain. I think that's been uh, part of your success, right? Because people didn't oh. get to see, you know, Mark out and about on social media doing interviews. Do you recall the moment where you decided, you know what, I should do this. I should let the cameras follow me for the first time.
4: Yeah, it was, um, and I, it's chronicled. Right, right before uh, WrestleMania with Roman, uh, in Orlando, um, like, the feeling that that the end was getting pretty close. Um, uh, I, I figured, you know what, I'm only going to have one chance to do this now. Because, um, like, obviously, at the end of that match, that WrestleMania, I put the hat and the gloves, everything in the ring. And that was as genuine as it gets, I mean, as far as, you know, our, our business and emotion, my emotions and where I was at physically and mentally. Um, So I wanted to kind of capture, and it kind of started with that day. And then as we, you know, as things went along, you know, we said, okay, well, you know, let's just, every time I came out, I had a film crew there and they chronicled everything. And then we had, you know, they come to the house here in Austin. And um I just thought it was, it was, I didn't know exactly what we were going to have but I know that I wanted it and, and, and I knew it someday, uh, you know, we would do something with it. Um, I didn't know that it was going to come this fast. Oh, I don't, I shouldn't say this fast. It's been going on for three years now. Um, and, and it took me a while to, to kind of get comfortable with it. But, uh, I just knew that I wanted that, 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 all that raw emotions that that were going on. Um, it was like you said, cause I you know, I was the last of the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a dinosaur and I I kept the old school ways and and I protected that character. So I thought, this is it. This is my only chance to really document what's going on behind the black hat, you know? So that's kind of how it all started.
0: And, you know, like you said, it's been three years. Um, Typically, you know, that's a long time to be working on a documentary, but there's been some parallels to this, series and the Michael Jordan one that's aired on ESPN that one was 20 something years in the making why did you decide that okay now three years later this is the time to air it as opposed to in 10 or so years well
4: um you know one well so once we started putting things together and everyone uh found out you know well, you know this is we've got some really really good stuff here and we started formulating you know how it was going to you know, how, how it was going to play out and air out. It was like, this is really good. And then obviously, um, right now, new content is in such demand, you know, just something other than watching the 84 World Series. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's only so much old stuff that you can watch. And, uh, it just seemed like the timing, the timing was right. Um, and, um, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still present in the, you know, in the big scope of things. And I didn't want to, you know, how people and things are, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, so we just felt like, you know what? This is, this is the time. And, um, uh, and I, and I think, I think we kind of hit the butt. I would have probably, cause I, I'm a, I like to wait, make sure everything's perfect and, and all that. So we had got kind of a little bit of pressure. On the corporate side, and then you know we had the the creative aspect of it, but uh, it all it all worked out, and I think it's going to come out. You know, I think it's coming out just at the right time. So,
0: so it's one thing to take part in the filming, but now to sit back for someone who's so secretive throughout his career to sit back and watch it on television to see people react to really intimate moments with your family, your career, going through surgeries and whatnot, to now see it out there in the public. How do you feel about it? Do you feel like it was the right choice to do this?
4: I do. Um, uh, and, and it took, like I said, it took me a long time to even get comfortable, um, you know, having this crew, you know, a film crew around me. Like there were times where I forgot that I'd give them the okay. Cause they were, they were so conscious of, you know, of me and what I'm doing, you know, they didn't want to get in my way when I was working and, you know, but I would I would out the corner of my eye because that's just the way I always was. You know, I see a film crew looking at me. like, The hell are you? What are y'all doing? You know, you know, we're filming. And I'm like, oh yeah, know, I, for, yeah, I forgot. I forgot to give you the okay on that. Um, it's been really. Uh, I have to say, man, it's been it's it's been a real emotional roller coaster, even for me watching this thing. Um, you know, the final episode is isn't finished yet. Um but I've I've seen probably the the 90% package of, of each episode. And, uh, it, it's, um, you know,
2: I've already killed the
4: gimmick. So, I mean, I've got glassy eyed more than once. So, um, you know, and especially when you hear your peers, um, you know, the, the guys that I've worked with for, you know, so many years and, um, you know to hear their perspective on things and it's uh you know it is uh it's kind of tough for you you know it's tough for me to watch sometimes um, but there too I'm glad that we have it so that people understand you know how much the business meant to me it means to me And I mean it'll always be part of me and uh you know because I did keep that that cloak. Around the character and the person, you know, I kept them completely separate. Um, you know, I, I don't think people really understand how important all this was to me and is to me. And so, um, yeah, I I think an emotional roller coaster is the best way to describe the uh, the whole thing.
0: The fact that this is out now, does that mean you're done? Oh come on! You think you th- you think I'm gonna give you that answer?
4: <laughs> I yeah, have to ask episode two, yeah
0: <laughs> no, but does this mean you're done like is the career over or you or, or will this be addressed at some point in episode five?
4: You might have to watch it all and find out man I, right. can't, I, I, hey, I love you brother but i can't i can't give you that before episode two comes out
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, I like that. It's keeping some things close to the vest
4: and I wish I, I, michelle just actually she just walked out, but she would have probably had something really smart to say because i've been retiring like personally here when I'm at home for, I don't know, at least six years, you know, every year I'll come back and I'm all beat up and everything hurts the next day. And I'm like, that's it. You know, and all I get from her is a big eye roll and say, you know, and she goes until April comes around and, you know, she's been, (laughs) she's been pretty accurate so far. So I learned you never say never, but it's very obvious that, I have far, you know, far more matches behind me than I do in front of me. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's just, you know, nobody, nobody beats Father Time. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's my race. So.
0: All right. Let's take a quick pause from this riveting conversation with the undertaker, aka Mark Calloway, to tell you about our good friends over at Modelo, Modelo Especial, brewed for those with a fighting spirit you know about Modelo by now it's the official beer of the ufc Modelo partners with ufc fighter amanda nunez why amanda nunez the double champ herself because she's got the fighting spirit which means never giving up even when the odds are stacked against you great fighters are like great beers we all know this it doesn't matter where you come from it matters what you're made of Modelo. well what is Modelo made of you ask well It has been the gold standard since 1925. It is a crisp, Hilsner style lager that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Modelo uses premium hops to give the golden lager its crisp taste. So, next time you're tuning into a UFC fight on a Saturday night or perhaps on a Wednesday night, make sure you've got the beer that's always in your corner, Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. Now back to my conversation with The Undertaker. I want to take you back to October of 2010, UFC 121 I on the center knew. in Anaheim, California. I am not kidding with you, my friend. I have wanted to ask you about this sequence of events for the last 10 years. At the time, for those that don't know, at the time, I'm pretty new to the game, a couple of years in, a lot of people don't know who I am. And this really was a turning point in my career. I see you at the event. It's Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. I'm a huge fan. And I asked the UFC PR, and in particular a PR guy who used to work for WWE named Jim Byrne, I Hmm? asked him, could I ask uh, Undertaker a few questions after the fight? You know, I'm assuming he's there to support his friend and he is going to, you know, weigh in on it. I know he's a big MMA fan. He said, yeah, sure, I'll ask. So I stood by you for the entire fight, watched it right next to you. You were locked in on the fight itself. Moments after the fight is over, we do a two-minute or so interview. And this turns out to be one of the most memorable interviews of my career. Till this day, I'm asking you questions. Your eyes are kind of going off into another place. And at one point, Brock walks walks by us, and you turn to him and say, you want to do it. And I didn't actually hear what you said in the moment, but I could tell your body language changed and I asked you a bunch of subsequent questions and it seemed like there was a rift between you two. And so after that, my world exploded and till this day, I don't know what happened there. And since we're in this mood now to, you know, break down the fourth wall, could you explain to me what happened there? Was that real? What, what was the story behind that moment?
4: I was there. I was there to pick a fight. Yeah. I was there. I was sent there personally to pick a fight. And, um, you know, I was unaware that Dana had no clue what, what, what was going to happen, which I felt horrible about, you know, after the fact. I thought, you know, I thought there was, had been some kind of discussion between him and Vince, but, you know, I was like, you know, at that time, you know, I mean, Brock was so hot in the, you know, in the MMA world. So, um, obviously it's like, you know what? why not try it? And, you know, um, there, 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 was no personal animosity really, but it was, you know, it was basically me saying, all right, you left our world. I'm going to come into your world and I'm gonna call you out. And, you know, I, I you know, that, that, that was it. And obviously it was a, a huge, uh, media storm and, um, it's all your fault.
0: Wait, now when you say you were there to pick a fight, a real fight? Like an MMA fight?
4: Like a wrestling fight. I was trying to get him back in my world. Okay. I'm I'm pretty gutsy, but uh, my, my, my days of getting to the octagon are far past me. I mean, I am smart enough to realize that. But uh, I, I, I thought, you know, if I could get somebody that was on, you know, obviously there was such a history there, you know, because of his run with WWE. And then you know his success in and you know UFC. This is this is huge. If we got, I can make it happen, so that's why I was that's what that was what it was all about.
0: Did he know that you were going to be there?
4: Uh, yeah, he knew he, I was going to be there. I don't know that he knew. You know, I I don't know how much he knew about what I was going to do, and it worked out. Because I, cause I, where I was at, you know, he could have went another way. He could have went back. You know. So I don't know. I mean, I got really lucky that he came, you know, he came by us, you know. And actually, if you, if you watch, Michelle, my wife who was with me, kind of nudged me and like, here he comes. Because uh, I was like, I would, I don't even know that I would have done the interview if, I'd knew, if I would have been in the right spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it worked out perfectly for you. It worked out perfectly for me because he came and he came right by me. And I was like, you want to do this? And and There was man, the the, the mind and everybody's, you know, it blew up. So you were in the right place at the right time,
0: man. So people were accusing me of being in on it. I had no idea what was going on. And the one thing that I kept going back to was he walked a different way. Like usually you walk an, an opposite way to get right. to the back and he walked by us. And so that's why I didn't know if he knew what you were trying to do or what I had heard that you were going to go to the post fight press conference to try to make a scene. And once that video happened, once that exchange happened, you were like, okay, my work here is done and you left. Is that true?
4: Yeah, no, I had no, po- I, I no, I didn't have any credentials to go to the, to the press conference. I I, I was just, uh you know, I was hoping that I was in the right place to, at the right time, and uh, it <laughs> everything lined up, man. I mean, the, the interview, him coming, you know, towards me, it all worked out. And, you know, it, it just took too long to deliver it. Um, right. You know, it took a few years for it to actually happen. I wish you know it could have happened sooner, um, but it was a it was an eventful night, and um, and. Yeah, I guess it, all, it helped all of us, bro.
0: Yeah. How soon after that did you speak to him? Like, did you talk to him that night and say, like, wow, that really worked out well for us?
4: Uh, Yeah, I, you know, because it wasn't a good night for him personally. Um, but uh, yeah, on, on the way out, you know, I, I stopped in. And I, I, I just, you know, I didn't talk much about that. I, I checked on him, made sure, you know, that he was okay and, uh, you know. And it's like, you know, we'll see what happens down the road, bro. One of right. those kind of deals.
0: And, and why did it take so long for that match to be put together? It was several years later you, you ended up meeting, but why, why did it take so long? It seemed like you had something right there, and he left shortly thereafter.
4: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, um, he, he came in, and, you know, obviously creative is, uh, you know, creative is a little different, and, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why it took so long I think they would gauge where Brock was at, you know, and it, it did it finally happen. But uh, I would, I would have preferred it happen sooner, but you know, better late than never. Although uh, I don't remember the match, but uh, you know, it's <laughs> that's a whole nother that's a whole other can of worms, there, man.
0: And so, eventually, you ended up meeting at WrestleMania, as you alluded to. Could I ask, do you regret the streak ending? Do you think that that was a mistake?
4: Um, you know, internally and the way this business works, like I I knew it someday that it would, it it probably would. And in in our industry, you just don't, you know, you don't walk away like Floyd and, you know, retire undefeated or Rocky Marciano. It just doesn't happen that way in wrestling. So, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind, um, uh, that it would end. Although most of my, you know, my peers and, and, people that I worked with thought it was horrible decision. Um, and you know, and I, and I just asked Vince, you know, I, I said, are you sure? You know, I said, is this, is this what you want? And you know, he was like, if it's not Brock, who, 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 and you know, who can beat you. Right. I mean, from the way the streak was built and by that time, obviously. So it was like, all right, well, you know, it's your call. You know, everybody thinks that I have all this juice, you know, that like I can I can, you know, say yes or say no. I mean, I could have said no, but what, what good was that going to do? You know, that mm-hmm. really had a lot of disappointed people If what do I do? Not go out or, uh, you know, I, I, I throw a tissy tis- and I'm not, if I don't go over, I'm not going to win. Eh, this is not me. I'm business and, uh, and, and business comes first before anything personal. And, uh, so I just double checked and made sure that he was, you know, he was a hundred percent sure that's what he wanted to do. And, That was, that's, that was the plan. So I went with it.
0: One thing that I've learned in this uh, documentary is that you're, uh, you know, obviously you're a human being and you have feelings Uh, at times you have self doubt and uh, you know, you're unsure. And it's like, we, we view you, you, you're such a, you know, you're such a larger than life character on the screen that it's hard to imagine that you would ever doubt yourself, that you would ever lose confidence. Are, Are you, is it possible that the undertaker, Mark Howell, is he a sensitive guy? Is he, You know, is he someone that, uh, is a little unsure of himself throughout his career? Has that been a theme for you or only later on?
4: No, in fact, when the, when the match and I got, it was all over the concussion. Um, you know, at that time you have to kind of realize what I'm going through. So, and and I think it's covered at the end of one is like, I'm, so I'm working. So I'm doing a WrestleMania. And I'm going from WrestleMania and going to have some kind of surgery uh, to repair whatever was hurting before I went into mania. And then I go and rehab. And then I go right into, and I call it camp now because I don't work a full schedule. Right. So I have to kind of train, you know, like, like a fighter does. Like I have to back out 16 weeks and I have to figure out what my goals are, whether I need to add weight, whether I need to lose weight. Um, Biggest thing being, you know, it, it is getting my cardio and all that, right? Because it's just, you know, when you're on the road all year long, you just stay hardened, you stay in shape, your body is used to the trauma. So anyway, so I had this stretch of time there where, you know, I was only working, you know, once a year at Mania or twice a year at, at most on some kind of special, you know, if they had a special wall or, or SmackDown or something. And I think what happened with that is – it just caught up to me, you know, my hip. And I mean, everything was, was, you know, hurting. And so I couldn't like get in the ring and spar and, and do that kind of stuff. So my body wasn't used to the trauma, uh, you know, of a match. And then, and, and, you know, most guys aren't able, aren't physically able to throw me around quite like Brock could, you know? And, uh, you know, so I took a lot of, you know, a, a lot of different bumps that I don't normally take and, and all that. Um, As far as being sensitive and you know all that, no. And I've always been really sure of myself. I don't know. After just like like a after a couple years of really having a a handle on what the Undertaker character was, I mean, I I mean, it's it kind of took over. And I mean, I I talk about it. There's there's not much that can happen. Inside the world of, uh, of professional wrestling or sports entertainment now as, as we're referred to, but like I didn't feel like I could, I had the answer to, you know, there's nothing that happened, nothing could happen in a match, you know, somebody get hurt, something like that, that I didn't feel like I could adapt on the fly and make it, ha- make it work. And you know, if I was in the ring with somebody that was, was horrible, I always felt like, you know what? I'm good enough that I can make this good. You know, so I, I was always really confident um, until until I got that concussion. And then, you know, we get, I've had plenty of concussions and injuries and all, of, you know, all that. But the, I think it was the magnitude of the concussion. Um, like, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember that match at all. Wow. My, my last memory, the day of re- that WrestleMania, is about three thirty in the afternoon when I had a conversation with my wife backstage. Now, there is a process that I go through, you know, from when I start stretching, when I start, you know, going to see the doctors. You know, I mean, there's a it's a big process, and it's you know, I mean, I went, I did it all. I don't remember doing any of it. Wow, my memory picks up my memory picks up that night in the, in the hospital at about 4 AM. That's when I finally remembered what my name was, you know, why, you know, where I was at. I mean, it's, it was bizarre. It was like somebody, it's like I was a lamp and somebody unplugged me. Wow. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was really, and that shook me because I'd never like, I had, I've been injured in matches, you know, I've, 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 I've had my, my orbital bones, you know, I've had my orbital bones busted out and continued with matches. I've, broke, I've wrestled with broken ribs, broken foot, torn muscles. And always, you know, I've been on, caught on fire, um, you know. <laughs> and I've always just been able to, you know, just to wheel myself through it. And, you know, this was just like, wow, this has never happened to me. And the fact that I don't remember, you know, I don't re- I watched that match back and I had no clue what was coming next. Wow, yeah. So that that's what that's what rattled my my confidence, you know. Because I came back the following year and uh, I wrestled uh, Bray Wyatt, and you know, I, I mean, I did all my due diligence. I went to all you know the the doctors, and I mean, I got all my clearances, and you know, everybody said, "No, you're good. You're good to go." You know, obviously, if it happens again, you need to make some serious considerations. But um, you know, as I'm as I'm, you know, waiting to go out, my music's about to start playing, man. My head is just, I mean, you know, normally where I'm so zoned in, and I, I mean, I've already turned into Undertaker. I mean, I, I've got all kind of self-doubt in my head, like worried about the first, you know, the first bump I take, you know. I mean, am I, am I going lights out again? And, and, you know, so that was, that's really, um, you know, over the last 30 years, I mean, you know, initially when you start, and you don't know, you know, and you're green and you don't know anything. Yeah. You have all kinds, you're riddled with self-doubt, self-doubt, you know, back when I started, nobody wanted to help you, you know, and if somebody did help you, they were, they were usually screwing with you trying to make, you know, make you look silly. But, uh, yeah, not till, not till after that did I have much you know, doubt about what my abilities were and where I stood. But that was, you know, it, it's, it's very ironic because when I wrestled, um, When I wrestled Ric Flair uh, at at Mania, you know, he came back and he thanked me. He says, he goes, you have no idea what you just did for me. His, You know, because they treated him so badly at WCW, he had no confidence. Hmm. Ric Flair, right? And And I'm looking at him as he's telling me this, and my head's just like going, you're freaking Ric Flair. How do you not have confidence? And his was different than mine. His mind was physical. His was mental. But, you know, still, until it happened to me, I, had, I, had, I didn't really ever understand it. And then, then it became crystal clear where that, that self-doubt, you know, that self-doubt comes in.
0: And, and could I ask, what is life like for you now? Because it's clear in the documentary at times, you know, you're beat up, as you just mentioned. It's hard for you to walk. Uh, you're limping. In, in 2020, here we are, May of 2020, is is every step a strain, or do you just feel like your body is broken?
4: No, uh, you know, so on a, on a day-to-day basis, do I feel – I mean, obviously, I feel more than probably most people do. Uh, but, you know, no, not, not, not like, you know, the day after a match or, or you know, after I train, you know, like when I'm preparing for a match. You know, I mean, I, all the stuff that I have to do, uh, you know, just, you know, just the ice and the cryo and the stretching and all. all I mean, it's just – it's a never-ending schedule of things you have to do to keep yourself going. On a day-to-day basis, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I don't feel as well as I'd like. You know, I don't get up. and You know, I mean, I've got a young daughter that's uh, very athletic and loves to, to move around. Um, you know, obviously, I wish I could move around better. You know, and, and chase her, and and do things. But you know, I have good days, and I have bad days. But I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't, you know, I don't feel the 30 plus years on my body. Um, but uh, I've fortunately learned over the last, probably the last eight years, you know, I've started taking much better care of myself. Um, I've dropped a ton of weight, which has helped a lot for the joints. Um, I eat better. I, I, I train. You know, I I try to continue to train whether I'm getting ready for something or not, where, you know, normally after I, you know, after an event, I would, you know, I take an extended amount of time off. Um, And then, you know, when you, when you stop training, then so do your, your good habits, right? And then you eat crappy food. And so, you know, that's, I've learned, I've learned that the, uh, you know, I got to take better care of myself, uh, you know, now to get the most out of this as I can I'm most out of life, you know, I mean, I've, I've rung the sponge pretty dry as far as the wrestling aspect of it, but, you know, I've got a few years left here to, you know, raise my daughter and, 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 and be a good dad with her, to her. And obviously I want to be able to, you know, play sports with her and, and do all that. So I got to continue to keep it on, man.
0: There's a feeling after watching the WrestleMania match of last month, against uh, a j Styles, the boneyard match, that you have now extended your career um a is that accurate and b did you enjoy? It? Did you like it as much as everyone else did
4: yeah, I mean obviously it wasn't um it, it wasn't what uh I trained for it wasn 't what I was expecting to do you know I mean obviously, we planned on being in Raymond James Stadium with eighty thousand people there um I think we got you know we were we were fortunate in the sense that we got to go off site and not you know try and have a match in a in an empty uh you know in an empty warehouse uh I was really proud of it in the sense of how innovative it was um it was half half wrestling match half movie um uh, it was uh but once again I, I felt like it paid off on the story that was built. And that's what I gauge things off of, you know. I mean, he crossed, he crossed so many lines, you know, doing promos that, uh, it worked out better in the sense like, and this is the way I think in putting a match together and, and, and working like, I mean, he, like I said, he crossed lines that nobody's ever crossed, uh, um, you know talking about my wife, talking about how old I was, you know, all these different things. So the promos that he cut were so, um, you know, so, you know, deep and cutting, like there's no way that I could have went in and had a, you know, I could have had a wrestling match. Right. I mean, it had to be something like that to make it pay off because that's how I would do things in real life. You know?
0: Well, Taker, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate the time and uh, congratulations on episode one. I can't wait for two, three, four, and five. And and thank you for answering a a question that I've been wanting to ask you for quite some time. It's uh it's been something that's been on my mind, and and now I feel like a sense of relief. So thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on everything.
4: Make sure, yeah, UFC, you were you had nothing to do with it. You that's were right. innocent. <laughs> hey man, I want to come back on to talk fights.
0: Hey, I would love it. You have an open invitation. Right now, I feel like I've taken up an hour of your time. I wanted to ask you about upcoming UFC fights and your favorite fighters. Do you want to give a who's your favorite fighter right now? Who's your guy to watch?
3: I
4: tell you what, I don't know who I'm more impressed with. I mean, is Tony tough or what? Yes. And <laughs> wow, he was not playing. Uh, I, you know what? I, I want to see Daichi fight, compete, but I want to see him fight Connor. Man, some fights in that in that division. And, uh, and tell your boy D.C., he needs to fight Come
0: <laughs> on. Okay. I will relay the message. I know,
4: you know what? D.C. is going to give him props. He, he, he takes him down. You know, I, obviously I wouldn't want to trade with him, but I think, you know, I think a double leg and press him up against the cage, D.C. will hold his own pretty good, man.
0: I love it. So like you I like will... it. I will relay that message. We Hey, we have a date. Next time, it will be just UFC talk, all right?
4: Absolutely.
0: All right. All the best to you.
4: Thanks, man. Enjoy it.
0: Man, that was so much fun. I really enjoyed that. I was kind of nervous all day for that. What a nice guy. And I really want to talk to him you know, in the near future about fighting because I know he's a huge fan, and the connection kind of got a little uh, wonky there towards the end and 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 I could tell that he wanted to talk about MMA and I wanted to talk to him about MMA and there was so much more that I wanted to talk to him about but uh, we only had uh, so much time with him and uh, he was out somewhere in in the woods he told me beforehand and the connection wasn't all that great so uh we 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 worked with what we got it was a great conversation I really do recommend if you like the last dance this last ride docu series has been great and so I suggest checking that out everyone loves the undertaker and, uh, just what a nice guy. You know, I use the Undertaker. My wife and I use the Undertaker to scare our kids, uh, when they don't go to bed, when they're just dilly-dallying and playing video games or not listening to us. We, I wanted to tell them this. We play his theme song and they go running up the stairs. And so they all got a kick out of the fact that I was going to talk to him on Wednesday afternoon and they were a little freaked out about it all. I, I told them that he might come out of the screen and, and eat me and send me to heavens. My kids don't call, uh, cemetery, cemetery. They call it heavens. At least my daughter does. And, uh, So I told her that I was going to go to Heavens, but uh, then my wife didn't like that and got into the whole thing. Anyway, it was great to talk to the guy, and I wish him the best, and uh, I wish his family the best. And he has really given us a lot of great memories, and I love the fact that he's a big MMA fan. If you notice, he wears the gloves. He does go-go-plata moves. Like The guy has really taken a lot from MMA, and it's been really cool to see that evolution over the years it's also been great to see the evolution of tst he is world renowned i was on his brother's radio show last week and there they are talking about him in burlington vermont like he's some kind of celebrity so without further ado it's time for tst's minimalist tips of the week presented by our good friends over at Modelo, setting the gold standard for authentic mexican beer since 1925 Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit
4: TST's minimalist tip of the week.
3: I am no star, Ariel. I'm seeing you everywhere. You're on TV all the time last week. It like Sports center became the Hawani show 24-7. You're on the radio all the time Saturday night. I just kept hearing you on the radio. You're everywhere. You're on Instagram Live. You're getting interviewed on Instagram Live rather than you doing the interviewing. I don't know. Like you deserve a statue or something.
0: You know, I would like, uh, I would like more. If I'm being honest, I would like more. I would like to be seen more. I'd like to be heard from more. Um, You know, it's not enough. If you ask me, it's not enough, but we are trying. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, this week's tip. So as we are all all at home, of course, we have time to go through our possessions. And I always love going through my wardrobe. I probably go through my wardrobe every few months. And so uh, a minimalist wardrobe is a hot topic in the minimalist chat rooms. And so what I like to do is every few months I look inside my closet and I look at each shirt or each pair of pants, pair of shorts, whatever, and I ask myself, how often do I really wear this shirt? And if the answer is no, or if the answer is really not that often, then I donate it or I give it to someone or sometimes at work we leave clothes out on one of the tables in the common area and it just Give give away for taking. I gave away a bunch of old basketball jerseys that I had just for free to get it off my chest, and it's such a free like feeling. Which 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 players are we talking about? So I had a I I used to be a Duke fan. I am no, I no oh, longer am, wow. but I had a uh, cool. Jaleel Okafor jersey that what? I gave away. Jeez. I yeah, big year 2015. Duke, love that team. Uh I gave away my Timberwolves Kevin Garnett jersey because I just wasn't wearing it. And I gave away a few football jerseys, a Colts Reggie Wayne jersey, a bunch of random ones, Adrian Peterson Vikings jersey. And so what What I have kind of come to realize is that you just keep wearing your favorite clothes all the time. So everything that I now own gets worn because they are my favorite clothes. And what Mm -hmm. I've really come to notice is that people really don't realize that you're wearing the same things over and over again. I kind of rotate between the same t-shirts and the same jeans. I only have about... I have three pairs of jeans and I just rotate between them. I'll wear them, you know, to work back when we used to go, you know, onto campus. Used to wear those back-to-back days and no one would ever comment on things. No no one ever notices that you're wearing clothes. We give people way too much credit in terms of observing what we're wearing every day. I could get by wearing the same outfit three days a week and no one would notice. And I think as you assess your closets, that's something you need to take into consideration.
0: Well, you know, this is actually... Of all the tips that you've ever offered us, the, 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 the words of wisdom, this is probably the one that hits home the most for me because I have a hard time giving away old clothes, not because I don't want to help out. Like I, I, I if I could go to a store right now and buy a whole store for people, I would do it. I get so emotional when it comes to clothes, like, Oh, I wore this for this moment. I was a dad and my son and I went here while I was wearing this or I wore this for this occasion and I feel like I'm killing that moment by giving it away. This is a big problem for me. I I I I sort of I don't want to say argue but like my wife is is a lot more uh willing to get rid of her clothes for some reason I can't do it.
3: Yeah, that's the thing about and not just clothes, about anything that you're getting rid of when you're approaching minimalism is that Whenever there's something that has an emotional attachment to it, or an attachment that you've ascribed to it, it is difficult to get rid of in that moment. It hurts because it's that memory. It takes you back to a certain pleasant time in your life, or or whatever memory it is you've attached to it. But what I've noticed when I've gotten rid of things like that, yeah, it sucks. It sucks in the moment. It hurts, and you maybe think about it for the rest of the day. But two days later, after that, you totally forgot that you got rid of that thing. You don't even notice. So that that's it's a muscle that you have to develop and just getting rid of things and just taking the emotions out of it. Because after you get rid of something way more often than not, a couple of days later, you don't even realize that you got rid of it in the first place.
0: Words of wisdom right there. Words of, you know, you know what I've noticed during this uh, quarantine, if you will? are, we still in the quarantine phase. I mean, the UFC is back. Does that, I don't even know if that applies anymore, but um,
3: we're opening up in Connecticut, May 20th. I can't wait. Well, there you go. So, but I, I
0: guess during the past two months, what I've noticed is a, um, I haven't worn a pair of jeans in two months, uh, and, uh, I don't know how I will feel when I have to put on jeans again. Uh, B, um, I tend to wear like the same three sweatshirts, uh, over and over again. So that's to your point. Uh, there's just something comforting about them. And, uh, C, I, uh, I really need to do a better job of, uh, you know, cleaning the house and and do things like that on 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 the daily because it can really build up and you know what d i'll give you a d troy i'll give you a d tst you know what i think i've been spending a lot of money on uh on haircuts and i feel like i can kind of get this done myself these days i mean it takes some time are
3: you paying to cut your hair
0: oh i have a, a standing tuesday appointment for like the last Five, six years. What? Yeah.
3: Is this person coming into your home? You're allowing an outside person into your home? No, 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 no. Oh, you're saying... Whoa, sorry. I thought you meant before. No, I cut my own hair. Oh. I've been cutting... Well, you haven't noticed? I mean, I I thought you were just insinuating that someone is coming to cut your hair. I've noticed that you got your hair cut. I didn't know that you were doing it.
0: I'm saying whenever normalcy resumes, I just might stick with this. You know what I mean? I've been spending for the past 10 or so years... Thirty to forty dollars, you know, with the the beard trim and all that, on a haircut. Wow, really? high roller. Well, I mean, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> you go to these places, they give you nice little fade. They da 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 da, and you're out there with the tip, of course, as well. And you're talking about thirty forty dollars, and uh, you know, I don't know if I need to do that anymore. I haven't gotten a haircut in two plus months. I'm going crazy.
3: Yeah, exactly. So. You know, I, I would suggest trying it out yourself and seeing if you can pull it off. No, okay. oh. I don't trust myself. I, I do have one question. So what do you wear when you're getting all dressed up for these fancy schmancy sports center interviews? What are you wearing on the bottom? Uh Sweatpants. Really? Yeah. See, oh. I could never do that if I were you. Obviously, I'll never be in your Wait, position. You, but want, I need you to, think I'm wearing the full suit? No, I don't think you are, but I just I can't do I can't do that. When we're doing the radio show or when we've done the radio yeah. show, I get dressed up like I'm going to work because it just puts me in the work mindset mm-hmm. so that I can do a good job. I-, I couldn't do a sports center hit from my home with a suit jacket on top and sweatpants on bottom. I don't think I could perform to the best of my abilities that Dare way.
0: Dare I say I feel like I perform better because A, I'm comfortable. Who doesn't feel good in sweatpants? And, uh, and B, I'm used to working from home. My career started wearing the exact same thing, sitting at the same desk. You know, using very similar equipment and just grinding like this. You're more of an office kind of guy. You're more of a guy, kind of guy that likes to interact with people and get like the human, you know, touch. For sure. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who I'm good at this. If my, the rest of my career is this scenario right here. I've never had more fun than I did on Saturday. I had my sports center camera set up to my right. I was sitting at this very table where I'm sitting at right now doing radio. I've got the TV to my left. I'm writing on my computer articles. I'm doing radio hits throughout the day, all from like the radius of three feet. And I was loving it, wearing a hooded sweatshirt and sweatpants. And I couldn't have been happier. I could not have been happier. And let me tell you something. If anyone ever sees me ever again, if you extend your hand for a handshake, you will not get a handshake in return. Don't ever ask me for a photo at an event ever again. Don't ask me for a fist bump, an elbow bump. Don't ask me for anything, all right? I'm just going to be walking around and and not interacting with anyone i'm done with interaction now you want to email me, you, you want to tweet me you want to dm me you want to do anything like that i will respond within seconds human interaction i'm done with
3: i can't wait to give you a hug when i see you next
0: never i will never hug another human being ever again unless it's daniel cormier because you know we've got a real connection he's teaching me a lot of things about life tennis shoes you probably call them tennis shoes don't you
3: I actually don't. I call them sneakers.
0: Okay. I call them running shoes, all right? I feel like that's what normal people call them. That's fair. But anyway, that's been fun. I appreciate everyone who continues to uh, listen and enjoy that show, download that show, rate that show, subscribe to that show, review that show. Got a little shout out on First Take on Wednesday. That was nice. Although they didn't mention the show itself. They called it Aria Hawani's MMA Show, which... It's a bit of a uh, sore subject with DC. We shall address that next week on the program. For now, though, we're out of time. Thank you very much to all of you. Thank you very much to Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. Amazing for joining us today. That was a blast. Thanks to everyone who tuned into the radio show and called in as well. Thanks to TST. Thanks to uh, Corporate Jake for his help with The Undertaker interview as well. Back on Monday to talk about Saturday's fights in Jacksonville catch up with my guy dc and who knows what else is going to happen between now and then for now though peace i'm out of here thanks for listening